0: and you can get an extra three months free, expressvpn.com slash slash film. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for May 8th, 2018. On today's show, we're going to be talking about the latest film and TV news. This is Slash Film's senior writer, Ben Pearson, and joining me on the podcast today are managing editor, Jacob Hall. Hello, hello. And writers, Huay Trambui.
1: Hey, everyone.
0: And Chris Evangelista. Hi. So, let's kick off today's show by talking about uh something that could make Disney not happy, and that would be Comcast might have a new deal in place to sort of uh, supersede the deal that we all thought was locked in for Disney to acquire 20th Century Fox. Chris, tell us about what's going on.
2: Oh, uh, yeah. So, Comcast has been trying to purchase uh, most of 20th Century, or I guess it's 21st Century Fox now for a while. Uh, even before the you know the Disney deal, quote unquote, you know went through. We all, like you said, we all thought this was a done deal. But now there's a a new uh, <laughs> a new hiccup. Um, so Comcast is now planning to uh, offer a 60 billion all cash bid for Fox, which would outbid Disney's 52 billion. So there's there's a lot of moving parts here they're they're waiting on um the government to rule on a uh, a case involving AT&T trying to acquire Time Warner um there's a chance that the government's going to shoot that down as sort of being you know uh, having to do with antitrust laws and if that happens Comcast will likely back away from the deal but if the AT&T deal goes through, Comcast is going to try and make this happen. Um, You know, there's no guarantee Disney will go for it. And, you know, there's all, you know, this doesn't, this doesn't necessarily mean the Disney deal is dead and Fox has tried to outbid Disney before. And in fact, they actually did outbid Disney in the past But Disney offered this sort of uh, incentive saying, even if the deal falls through, we're still going to give you $2.5 billion, which uh, Comcast did not offer. So, again, we we don't really know what's going on here. Nothing is really uh, set in stone yet, but this is just yet another moving part to this constantly evolving story about
3: billionaires throwing money at each other. (laughs) I have one very important question for you, Chris. Uh, Does this mean that there's a possibility of an X-Men Minions crossover?
2: I hope so. That's all that matters, so we'll have to wait and see.
1: (laughs) See, what I'm hoping for is a Fast and Furious and Fantastic Four crossover.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Universal doesn't really have very many superheroes. I think we talked about that um, when we were initially talking about that, that first bid that Comcast put through. So, Chris, in your research for this article, did you come across whether or not the Disney Fox deal is hanging in the balance and waiting on this AT&T Time Warner thing as well? I know that's like the big one that's sort of on the forefront and it's actually in the courts right now. And there's like the decision is going to be made on that merger uh, way faster than anything else. But is there anything that indicates that the Disney Fox deal might not go through if the AT&T Time Warner one doesn't? Not not really. It
2: seems like that really is still happening. But again, it it just seems like every other uh, like week or month, something new pops up about this deal that makes it sound like it's not as cut and dry as we all thought it was. Not that it was cut and dry to begin with, but it it just seems like they're constantly working behind
0: the scenes to finalize everything. So do we have any timetable on when we might know something concrete here? Well, the, the, the Time Warner AT&T ruling is
2: coming next month, so uh, in June. So once that ruling comes, we're going to know for sure if Comcast is moving ahead or not. So probably by next month, we'll know
0: at least uh, if, if the whole Comcast thing is happening. Okay, sounds good. Uh, let's move on to our next item, and that is Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter are officially reuniting the band for Bill & Ted 3. HT, tell us what's happening.
1: Wild stallions is coming back together, everyone. So Bill and Ted three is officially confirmed to be in development, uh, which is going to be titled Bill and Ted Face the Music. And this is a long and work sequel that will essentially be released almost 30 years after the last film which was bill and ted's bogus journey in 1991 and keanu reeves and alex winter are both confirmed to return and reprise their roles as uh the titular bill and ted or ted theodore logan and bill s preston esquire respectively so this will take place uh as they're sort of grappling with middle age and yearning to recapture the days of their youth uh and uh Keanu Reeves has recently teased, too, that not only will they be attempting to save the future and save the world, they will be trying to save the universe at this point and maybe uh, rocking out to some heavy metal while they're at it.
0: Awesome. Uh, So I think we've been we talked about this, the possibility of this movie on this podcast. What is the difference now in terms of like where this film is in, in development versus the last time we talked about it?
1: Well, it wasn't quite confirmed yet, but this is just the official confirmation, essentially. And yeah, the the, uh, creators and screenwriters have been sort of teasing this for the past couple of months now. Chris Matheson and Ed Selman have been teasing the screenplay, uh, which they have both penned. And uh, Dean Paris has been confirmed to direct. And so this is just kind of like the the final nail... I don't want to say nail in the
3: coffin. The final (laughs) sort of...
1: The final, like... Thumbs Step up in the ladder. Step in the ladder.
3: It's going up instead of going underground.
1: <laughs> yes, exactly. This is a <laughs> thing that's finally happening. And uh, it's it's just exciting because uh, they've been talking about this for, like, almost a decade now. But now it's actually moving forward. And they announced this at Cannes. So it's, like, given that an- the other sheen of, like, officiality.
3: Yeah. Can that. I ask everybody a question real yes. quick? So, sorry, Ben. Uh, I have I said this to so you guys as shock earlier today. But I haven't seen any of the Bill or Ted movies. Um uh, I'm, I'm sorry, I am any of the Bill and Ted movies. Uh, is this a good idea? I mean, is this feel like, does this feel like a natural extension of those first two movies? Does this feel like warranted? Or does it feel like just a desperate nostalgic grab? I'm, I'm curious how it feels from the outset here. Yeah,
0: I haven't seen any of these movies either. I really need to remedy that, especially before. What? I know. Jesus. I God. Know. <laughs> Well,
1: I've always thought that this series is just so ridiculous and over the top that it it's not about like whether it warrants a sequel it's just whether we deserve a sequel i feel like whenever the movie only i've only seen the first one bill and ted's excellent adventure but i love it so much and have rewatched watched it i don't know a thousand times so i just feel like it would be really nice to see these sort of two stoner idiots who may have to save the universe every now and then uh just return and and uh, remind us to be excellent to each other it's just like It's the feeling and the atmosphere that they give and like the kind of ridiculous shenanigans that they get involved with. And while this one seems to like deal with some more serious issues like grappling with family and kids, I do think it'll be a nice return to that uh, just pure joy that the first movies gave us.
0: Chris, what do you think? You've seen both of these, right?
2: Yes. um, I'm I'm very excited for this because, you know, the original Bill and the the first two, Bill and Ted, was about, you know, young guys. I mean, they're they're originally teenagers in the first one. I think they're a little bit older in the sequel. And, you know, that sort of like dumb folly of youth when you can afford to be just stupid all the time because you're young. And the idea of seeing those two, you know, idiots as adults now dealing with bigger responsibilities, that seems really intriguing to me. And also just on a personal level, um, uh, Keanu Reeves, who I, you know, I love Keanu Reeves as an actor. Um, but he spent, you know, the bulk of his career playing very serious dour characters, sort of trying to break out of, you know, his, his old dummy mode that he was primarily known as when he started his career. So I'm really interested in seeing him lighten up a bit and do a comedy again because he hasn't really done a a goofy comedy like this in a long time so just on that level i'm very excited to see yeah
1: i want to see i just want to see keanu reeves smile again you know he's always (laughs) been so brooding lately i feel like i just want to see him crack a smile
0: uh well something some casting news that made me smile when i read about this earlier today is that burt reynolds kurt russell and a bunch of other actors are actually in talks to join quentin tarantino's new film chris tell us about this
2: yeah, so uh, Quentin Tarantino's new movie, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, is it's no doubt going to be a controversial movie. Um, but at the very least, no matter how the film turns out, it's going to have a very good cast. Uh, we already know that Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio are starring in the film, and we know that Margot Robbie is in talks to join the film. And now um, Burt Reynolds, Kurt Russell, Tim Roth, and Michael Madsen are also all – in talks to join the film. Um, We don't really know who Kurt Russell, Tim Roth, or Michael Madsen will be playing. It says they're playing uh, small roles, but Burt Reynolds is in talks to play uh, a real person named George Spann, who was the guy, he was a rancher who rented uh, his land to Charles Manson and his his cult, and so Charles Manson and his cult lived on this guy's land. uh, And they planned a lot of their murders on this land too. So um, this tells us a few things. It tells us that it seems like Charles Manson really is going to be a character in the film. I I had read several conflicting reports indicating that Charles Manson may not even actually be in the movie. He'd just be sort of mentioned. But it seems like if they're going to have this guy who rented Charles Manson, his land, a character in the film, that really suggests to me at least that Charles Manson is – an actual character in this film. I don't know how big a character he's going to be, but we'll see.
3: It's interesting. Uh, George Spahn, uh, if you listen to Crean Longworths, you must remember this podcast. Uh, you may be familiar with him because he was a big character in her uh, series on the Manson County murders and the Hollywood connections between them. And uh, the whole Spahn and Ranch thing is fascinating because it was this old uh, Western town. She used to film Westerns in the uh, 30s, 40s, and 50s, those falling in disrepair. So this incredibly modern, bloodthirsty cult was living in this old man's western town while they plotted. And if this sounds fascinating to you, you can, I'd recommend looking it up. You must remember this. Queen of Longworth's uh, Hollywood podcast. But also, um, one of our writers is doing a big piece about um, Spawn Ranch and what this means for this movie. So look for that this week on SlashFilm.com. Awesome. And
0: the idea of uh, Kurt Russell, Tim Roth, and Michael Mattson all coming on board this as, as well, it sort of feels like... Uh, it feels like a a family reunion almost for tarantino it's like he's pulling together everyone he's ever worked with and grabbing a couple new stars as well you've got uh dicaprio and brad pitt starring in this thing i think margot robbie is like one of the only people mentioned in the cast that he has not worked with yet but russell roth and madsen all worked with him multiple times most recently all three of them together in the hateful eight so that's kind of an uh, an exciting group of people getting together Uh, ht are you excited about this one
1: yeah, I'm I'm excited. I feel like I'm not quite as excited as as I've been for past Tarantino movies, uh, but I still will probably go see it like first first opening night.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, Jacob, do you think? And God help me for even suggesting this, but as Chris mentioned, the idea of Charles Manson maybe actually appearing in this movie. Do you think they're going to cast somebody like
3: Jared Leto or somebody to play like Charles? <laughs> Please
1: Manton? no. Oh, gosh. Um,
3: I would actually hope one of two things. I would hope Tarantino casts a nobody uh, to sort of highlight how this random figure destroyed so many lives. So that is all a people great we, idea. All the people we love are played by like movie stars. Where the people, the guy who destroys their lives, is the is just is just some guy. Or I hope they keep him off screen entirely. Let's have and we explore the people in his orbit because if if we're seeing Spawn Ranch and we're we're seeing like the, the people who are. Rotating around him, unaware that there that there's this unstable molecule in their community, uh, so I'm kind of, I'm wondering if if maybe the focus here will be less on Manson at all and more on the people who are just being dragged around him, unknowing. Interesting, interesting. All right, so let's talk about
0: uh, Leica, the stop motion or Leica? I think Leica is how you pronounce it. Leica, the stop motion. Um, I guess, production studio. I'm not sure exactly what their official (laughs) designation is, but they make stop-motion movies. Uh, They've made films like The Box Trolls and Kubo and the Two Strings. They have announced their new movie's title and uh, the the full cast, it sounds like. HT, tell us about this.
1: Yeah, so Laika's fifth feature film is called Missing Link, and it's a sort of fantasy adventure movie about an investigator of mythical creatures who embarks on a journey to find the legendary... uh, Li- missing link to mankind's primitive ancestry. Uh, Leica announced the t- this, this film as well as the cast that's led by Hugh Jackman, soy Saldana, Zach Galifianakis, Stephen Fry, and Emma Thompson. So it's a it's um one of Leica hasn't made a lot of films, but Every one of their films that they've done are really great. Like you said, Box Trolls, Kubo and the Two Strings, Coraline. And it seems like this one could probably hit that standard as well because it sounds like it's a really magical sounding film. It follows uh, Jackman as this intrepid Investigator named Sir Lionel Frost, who seeks to prove his peers wrong by finding the one legendary creature that has never been found—the missing link—and he does find it. Um, it's he's portray- Mr. Link is portrayed by Zach Galifianakis, and uh, they attempt to go on a journey to find the rest of his kind, and they joined by, by Zoe Saldana's adventurer in their uh, long quest. So it seems like a kooky and fantastical movie that will be beautiful as um the rest of their films are
3: do Here's my question for yeah, oh, go, ahead. Sorry, go ahead Ben my question because last time we talked about like i'm not sure if it was on the show but it was on the site for sure and that was we heard that annapurna the uh megan ellison's uh company was going to distribute uh, uh missing link although we didn't know it was called that at the time and it was interesting news because there have been reports for a few years that like has been in trouble because their movies have not been big money makers they've been critical darlings but they haven't done, you know, Disney, DreamWorks or Pixar money. Um, so I'm wondering uh, if anyone has any thoughts on this movie being distributed as an Annapurna movie. Does this mean it's a different kind of movie? Does this mean it's going to be like it doing their own thing? Does anybody have any thoughts on this new model for them?
1: I don't know if Annapurna will particularly affect their production model. Um, Leica has always been quite meticulous with their productions. They've taken years to uh, work on the films just because the nature of stop-motion animation is so tedious. Um, But Annapurna, for their distribution model, I don't get the... uh, This is just like me speculating. I don't think that they will affect their uh, output as much, uh, hopefully. But, um, yeah, it's kind of... It would be really... Uh, unfortunate if they did, because I feel like Leica and then also Ardman Animations are sort of single-handedly keeping stop-motion animation alive, just because the the uh, pra- the technique is so tedious, like I said before. And um, it's it would be a shame if Leica changed its uh its model in any way.
0: Yeah, and I think um, when I wrote about the initial uh, that that. Teaming up with Annapurna, I I found this old quote from Travis Knight, who is like the CEO of Leica. And he said in 2016, when Kubo and the Two Strings came out, he was doing some press for that movie. And somebody asked him about the next film that the studio was going to be making, which is now we know is called Missing Link. And they asked him, you know, how how that film is going to be tonally compared to the stuff that Leica had done already. And I think he said his quote was, It's going to be completely different from what we've done before. The thing that excites me is that I know that the handful of films that we've got coming down the road. Uh, they're so totally different from what we've done. The film following the next one, it's so unusual and so interesting. So it, they're, it sounds like they're they are really um, looking to evolve uh, from a storytelling perspective as well. So, yeah, I, I sort of hope they keep that style alive because Kubo is just so gorgeous, the way that that stop motion came together. Um, and, you know, movies like Paranorman, I find kind of aesthetically ugly, but Kubo is just like so smooth and the way that that film uh Yeah, it just it seemed to slide across the screen instead of being really choppy like the other ones sort of seem to be. But
1: yeah, um... they changed their style for Kubo a little bit, too, because they modeled it off of Japanese origami in a way. So that's why it looks slightly different from their past works. So I get the feeling that they may try to change it up again with this film and maybe try to test some new animation technique or push the boundaries yet again.
0: Mm hmm. All right, let's move on to Sherlock Holmes 3. This is a project that has been uh, rumored and then you know, bounced back and forth, like, is this gonna happen, is it not gonna happen? But now it actually has a release date. Jacob, tell us about that.
3: Yes, after literally a decade of hearing about Sherlock Holmes 3, or close to a decade at this point, it's been uh, revealed that Shlug Holmes 3, probably not the final title, will be released December 25th, 2020. When that happens, it would have been nine years since the previous film, uh, Shlug Homes, A Game of Shadows. And in my memory, I remember A Game of Shadows being a disappointment at the box office. But looking at the numbers now, it uh, made more internationally than the first Sherlock Holmes from 2009. Um but it made a little bit less at uh, the domestic box office, it just, it just cost more, which is why maybe I thought that. But it still made enough money, made half over a half billion dollars worldwide. That there's still interest in seeing Rob Downey Jr. and Jude Law uh, play Sherlock Holmes and Doctor Watson. And I guess my question, and I'll open up the floor in a second, it, uh, is is this too late for Sherlock Holmes? I mean, I'm a, I like these movies just fine. Uh, I've read all the original Sherlock Holmes uh, short stories and novels. I'm a big fan of those on, on the pap- on, on paper. And even with that snobbery in mind, I still enjoy the first two fine. I just wonder if maybe it's too late if if waiting a decade to get number three in the pipeline means that do people care about this version of Holmes and Watson anymore? Especially since we have uh, a comedy version of these characters coming with. Uh, Will Ferrell and John C. Riley, and we also have uh, Sherlock on the BBC, which has its own dedicated following in a very different style. So, how, how about you guys? Like, is 2020 too late for this movie? Cause I'm thinking it maybe. Chris, what do you think?
2: Uh, I think so. Um, I mean, personally, I don't like these movies, and I'm always baffled that <laughs> they have a following. Um, but yeah, it, it does seem like the that that ship has sailed. But you know, maybe. Alright, twenty anytime I hear the the the, the year twenty twenty, it sounds like the distant future, even though it's really not I can't even imagine being alive by then. So I don't I don't really know if anyone is gonna be interested in Sherlock Holmes in twenty twenty, but I guess we'll see.
0: I'm sort of conflicted about this because I like the first movie and I found Game of Shadows to be sort of wearing thin already, and that that came out only a couple years after the first one did. So you know the big weight does have me a little worried but at the same time it's like if bill and ted is going to come back and it's been since 1991 like it's not like Downey and uh jude law are you know some bums like they they've they're basically just become bigger stars with every passing year so i liked their chemistry in those movies even though i didn't really care that much for the second film i i don't know if um so yeah, part of me is is thinking it might be a little bit too late, but there's another part that's like I'm interested in seeing those guys together again, and I think uh, the article that we have about this says that Guy Ritchie, the guy who directed the fir- <laughs> the guy who directed the first two uh, movies that in this dude. series. Um, <laughs> is not confirmed to come back yet. And that might be the the key thing for me. If Guy Ritchie doesn't come back, then I think I'll be even more interested because we sort of know what his aesthetic is for this particular franchise. So maybe if they got some fresh blood in behind the camera and used that same uh, pair of charismatic actors, maybe that would be enough to sort of reignite some sort of vigor for this franchise. HG, what do you think?
1: Yeah, I'm not really itching for Sherlock Holmes 3, but I wonder if... Uh, this is kind of speculation for Avengers 4, I guess. Uh, people will be looking for another Robert Downey Jr. franchise to sort of see him again on screen if our theories hold correct on whether he will appear again in the MCU. Mm-hmm. Uh, they could just jump on to Sherlock Holmes 3 because like, Robert Downey Jr. has a great following. He's a big star. People will go see movies for him. And if he won't be appearing in the other big franchise that... Uh, he's part of anymore, then people might just go to Sherlock Holmes 3 to get their Robert Downey Jr. fix.
3: Yeah, and I think and it also... should be noted that by, by 2020, Jude Law will also be in the MCU because of Captain Marvel. So <gasps> I forgot may... about that. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> people may yeah. people may want their their uh, MCU reunions. Man, yeah, I forgot all about that. And I was gonna say that
0: uh, Downey is supposed to be developing a um, a Doctor Doolittle movie that may or may not beat Sherlock Holmes 3 to theaters. Um, So that could be like another potential franchise starter for him where where people could get their fill of Downey if he does indeed bite the dust in uh, Avengers 4. But, um, yeah, we'll have to see how that goes. Uh, Let's move on to our last news story of the day. And that is John Krasinski has teased a Quiet Place sequel. He's talked a little bit more about that. And he is teaming up with Aaron Sorkin to revive a project that was once thought dead. Chris, tell us about this.
2: Oh, yeah. So John Krasinski, uh, he did an interview with Deadline, and it's actually kind of a refreshing interview because he flat out says he's really surprised anyone even wants a sequel because he thought the first film stood on its own, the first The Quiet Place. But uh, it was a big hit, and you know Paramount wants that sequel, so he, he's thinking about it. He's not confirmed yet to direct it, but uh he he has a few quotes i'm not going to read them exactly but basically what he boils it down to is what he's interested in in a quiet place sequel is telling um different people's stories so in other words instead of focusing on you know the characters we saw in a quiet place it would focus on characters elsewhere surviving while all the stuff that happened in a quiet place is going on i guess it's sort of like uh how Fear of the Walking Dead is sort of the, the same story as The Walking Dead told from different characters. So mm-hmm. that's that's sort of what he seems to be going for here. And then the other thing is, um, a few years ago, he was developing a series with HBO about the Chateau Marmont in uh, Hollywood, which is you know this famous hotel where movie stars always stay. And he was developing that with Aaron Sorkin, and it sort of it fell through. It, it, nothing really happened with it, but I guess now that... He's become this big uh, mover and shaker thanks to the success of A Quiet Place. That's back on at HBO. Um, so he and Aaron Sorkin are, are going to do that again.
0: Yeah, that I was very interested in that project when it first popped up in 2011 because, well, I mean, we didn't know the extent of Krasinski's directorial talents at this point. But just the idea of the Chateau Marmont, it, it's always this um sort of mythical place almost like there's so much that's happened there in hollywood history and that was supposed to be what this the original idea for this show was going to be about i think it was based on a book called life at the marmont and it was all about the idea of telling the history of hollywood uh, through the decades using this hotel as the epicenter of that so um i'm glad to hear that He's uh, that Krasinski has acquired enough cultural cachet and and enough power, enough juice in the industry to be able to get this uh, this passion project back up off the ground. I think at the time he was talking about um, being involved, I think, behind the camera as well as acting in a role in it. Uh, I don't know if that's changed. It's been, yeah, many years since this was uh, talked about. So I'm sort of hoping we get a chance to see
3: this one. Uh, Jacob, what do you think? Uh, I use a great premise i think it's a great uh, setup for a show and i'm really excited in another way because they the, they're basing this show on an upcoming book written by uh, sean la levy who full disclosure i have met, in a, I've met in, a, in a film festival line years ago he used to be more, he's, he's a film journalist and he's he wrote a excellent biography about robert de niro so um, i'm thrilled that this is coming to show this is a great premise but i'm also thrilled that a really good writer's work is being adapted for hbo very cool.
0: And yeah, Aaron Sorkin and Krasinski, that's a that's a cool team-up. Krasinski, is, he's also—he's sort of made a habit of teaming up with a lot of uh, big-name people. I think he worked with George Clooney early on in his career, and then he uh, co-wrote the script for Promised Land with Oscar-winner Matt Damon, so he's working with another Oscar-winning writer at this time. Um, what do you guys think about A Quiet Place 2? I think we've probably talked about this on the show before, but I'm just interested now that we're a little bit, you know, we've got some distance between us and the premiere of that movie. Um, now that we've all had some time to to sort of think about it a little bit. Chris, actually, have you had a chance to see it in theaters? I know you're waiting for audiences to sort of uh, (laughs) get out of your way so you could see it in peace. I have not. I'm going to try. I
2: I think this weekend I will finally go see it, and hopefully no one will be there. And I swear to to God, if I sit down and people come in, I'm leaving. I'm just going to walk right out.
0: I'm just going to pay somebody. I was just going to say I'm going to pay somebody to come in and sit right next to you in the empty (laughs) theater. (laughs) Yeah, that's, yeah, you should be that.
1: fine. Everyone will be seeing Infinity War for the third time.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what I'm hoping, but we'll see. Uh,
0: so, Jacob and H T, what do you guys think about A Quiet Place 2? Does this, uh, that concept, does that interest you at all? It sort of reminds me of like the original talk that was going around about a potential Cloverfield sequel right in the immediate wake of that first movie, where they were talking about how cool it would be to see some other group of characters with a video camera who happen to, like, pass the group of characters from the first film on a bridge or something, and you see them just for a split second, but the whole movie follows their adventures during the same uh, monster invasion kind of thing. Um, What do you guys think
3: about A Quiet Place 2? I think a a different cast of characters is the way to go, because the story told with the original cast, it feels complete. I don't need to see what happens next. I don't need to see what happened beforehand. That movie is, like, airtight in terms of where it takes its characters. And I'm torn, because I think Quiet Place is... A really really cool thing because it is an original movie that uh it just ends it, doesn't, it has a very definitive ending right. um but at the same time i'm talking about i'm also a person who uh gets masochistic and excited about uh 11 hellraiser movies <laughs> <And about laughs> how every horror franchise out there the, the bigger the numbers get the more excited i get to punish myself with how increasingly terrible they get so uh, probably he's like saying, yes, bring on A Quiet Place 5, 6, and 7 so I can see how bad it can get. But, <laughs> God, that uh, is masochistic. <laughs> but we'll we'll see. I, I kind of quietly hope that they maybe take the same team and say, hey, make an original horror movie. Do something else that makes as much money because people are excited by the premise and the cast, not because it has a number in the title. Yeah, H.C., what do you think?
1: I'm not against it, actually. I mean, I felt like it was kind of inevit- inevitable because every... Ho- successful low-budget horror film or mid-budget horror film uh spawns at least three or four sequels and or a popular franchise but i feel like this uh, today hollywood has gotten better at sort of franchising their horror horror series uh you see like the purge or the conjuring sh- movies have are all like are all really good on their own. So I think that a quiet place has a strong enough premise that it could spawn like several good uh, films with different casts, different stories, taking place in different areas. That could be like really good.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm excited about this as well. I, I agree with Jacob that it definitely has a definitive ending, and I'm I'm. You know, I, I definitely definitely interested to see how this plays out, because uh, I wonder if they're going to go the route of like actually having some sort of technical crossover with it or if it's just going to be implied. I think Krasinski in this this interview was talking about the characters that you see in the first movie where the family lights a fire at the top of their roof and you sort of see some of those other fires in the distance, like wondering what those people are up to, and if they're actually going to cross over with the family that we see in the first movie, or if they're just going to leave that uh, out in the distance or or what. So we'll have to see how that goes. But we'll keep you guys posted when we hear more. And that's going to bring us to the end of today's episode of Slash Film Daily. Where can we find more of your work online? Jacob, let's start with you.
3: I'm on Slash Film every single day, and I'm on Twitter, where I'm at Jacob S. Hall. H.T.?
1: You can find me also at SlashFilm.com, and I'm on Twitter at htranbuoy.
3: Chris, uh,
0: I'm also at Slashfilm. I'm on Twitter at Evangelista 413 and you can find me at slashfilm.com as well. I am on Twitter at Ben Pears, and you can find more about all the stories we mentioned on today's show at slashfilm.com and linked in the show notes for today's episode. Slashfilm Daily is published every weekday bringing you the most exciting news from the world of movies and TV, as well as deep dives into the great features you can find at the site. You can subscribe to Slash Film Daily on iTunes, Google Play, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please feel free to send your feedback, questions, comments, and concerns to us at peter at slashfilm.com. And if you do, leave your name and general geographic location in case we mention your email on the air. And don't forget also to rate and review the podcast on iTunes. That really helps us out in terms of visibility. Tell your friends about the show. Spread the word any way you can.